Hi, I'm Nanaba Duncan, and this is Media Girlfriends. Sometimes a really bad thing happens to a friend, and you just don't know what to say. You don't know how to make them feel better, so you just make sure you're there. You listen to them, and you hug them, and you cry, and you invite them over, and you leave them alone if that's what they need, and you just try to do your best as a friend. Michelle Parisi is my friend from work at CBC. She's a senior producer. Uh, When we met, we were both in the music department. And one day she told me that her husband cheated on her. She was devastated. And then she was getting separated and divorced and moving out and splitting time with their daughter. It was really hard to watch her go through that pain. And it was also kind of difficult to be a good friend at that time sometimes you just don't know what to do. So when Michelle announced that she was taking her life story and turning it into a podcast, I was genuinely happy to see joy come out of that sorrow. That podcast is called Alone, A Love Story. It's all about what happened, her journey afterward, co-parenting and dating again and confidence, thinking about how she thinks about love. And she includes the friends around her in the telling of the story. My character is called Big Laugh. So here's the first bit of the second season of Alone, A Love Story. We become our own wolves. It's January 2013. Here I am, alone in my apartment, 6 p.m., eating a fried egg and having a drink. A dark and stormy. It's become my signature. Imagine me, just one year ago. I didn't even drink at all. And now I drink so much, I have a signature. That's progress, baby. Let's do some more inventory, shall we? I'm 38 years old. I feel like I've lost everything. And therefore, I believe I have nothing. So, how does a person go from super sad to making something out of the super sad? I wrote a bunch of stuff. Uh, Yeah, you've always been a writer. Like, I feel like all I know about you is a book and a pen of some sort. Yeah. And you going to your desk even. Always, like, notes everywhere. Yeah. So, I turned a ton of notes into uh, a book, a memoir, um, into my story, which I called Alone, a Love Story. And um, because I write in those little notebooks and all those little things you see, Mm -hmm. I write um, true stories uh, as short stories. Like I write them like they're fiction, even though they just happen. Um, And this is why I can be so specific about dialogue in my writing and in what became the podcast. because Because I actually have... All of the notes you of life. have repeated my words to me before. Mm-hmm. You were like, you would say, no, you said, <laughs> not that I was arguing with you, but you were able to say, no, you said, da, 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 and you repeat things word for word. So I think that you also have a good memory. It's no. not just, really? Yeah, it's because if I write stuff down, then I remember it, like handwriting. And so there's the difference between typing. And this is proven, actually. Like, there's actually studies that show that if you actually write things with your hand, <laughs> with a pen, um, you will retain it, like, however many percent more than if you type it. Mm. So you've had all this reaction, and you're now in season two. 
But you've also been contacted by people in L.A. <laughs> like people want you. I know I'm putting L.A. like way up there. Sorry. Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. But the point is you were being called by people who are very interested in what you have created. Where is that now? What's what's happening? Like, is this going to be a movie? <laughs> that would be cool. I want it to be a movie. Who will play you? I don't know. <laughs> I will have to think about that. <laughs> More like who's going to play you? I wish you could play you, but that doesn't make sense. No, that would be weird. I'm not an actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, where it's at is, is that I decided that I should probably get an agent. So I got a literary agent. It is literary. Why a literary agent? I don't understand. Um, because I guess it's considered literary, the writing, like as opposed to broadcast style or just, I don't know, whatever. Podcasts, I mean, a podcast is funny. It's like, to me, it's just like a medium. It's a vehicle, right? Like, just like radio mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> or whatever. So, but I guess there is maybe, it's not really a, quite a style for writing. But the point is... Um, I felt like a literary literary agents also are used to working with um, agents for TV and movie because for op- they option authors stuff, so that's why. Mm-hmm. And I might turn it back into a manuscript, and who knows? Right now, who knows? There's <laughs> a lot of who knows, but what do you want? Um, I feel like this taught me that I'm a good writer, like a really good writer, and I don't think I would have said that before or even called myself a writer before. Um, But I know that I'm a good writer now, and I'm sure of it. And I know that there's something about my writing that really speaks to people, Um, and that means a lot to me. Like, it sounds so hokey. I think it sounds hokey and, like, maybe even disingenuous. But, like, if I... I'm helping others feel less alone because I'm able to go blah, blah, blah. Here's my guts, barf my heart. I'm just barfing my heart out. And people are responding to it in such an amazing way that obviously I have something to offer the world that's more than what I've been doing for the past 20-something years. I mean, I love my job and I love where I work and I've loved my career. But this is you. But this is really me. Like, like writing is really me, and writing real, like writing uh, real experiences, and also, you know, the podcast was so great, better than a book. I'm so glad I made the podcast instead of a book, and that CBC let me made it, make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because why would you be afraid that full... CBC wouldn't let you make it? I wasn't afraid. I, I just think that um, I just think it's awesome that they took a risk on it, um, that they didn't micromanage me. They let me make this, along with Veronica Simmons, who made the whole podcast with me, we should say. And she's an amazing, Mm -hmm. she helped, she was like basically the story editor. Like she. Wasn't she the one that told you that it should be a podcast? Well, I had the idea of whatever, but like, it was like, everyone kept saying, what's the, what's happening with the book? What's happening with the book? And I was like, I don't know. We were at a party, uh, with a lot of us there. We were all there, colleagues and stuff, friends. And, uh, Guys, we're all just our only friends are people from CBC. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad, but true. It's not sad. It's awesome. Um, <clears throat> Veronica was there and she was listening to me talk about it. And then she just said, Why don't you stop calling it a book? <laughs> and just think of it as your story. 
And I was like, yes. Everyone else at this party, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm only talking to this person now. And I said to her, like, uh, yeah. And then we started going, like, like, let's whatever. And so we basically just took the manuscript into... Um, like a like a little room with a tape recorder and not a tape recorder, but you know it was one of our recorders. And like after hours, not in work time, and uh, we uh, uh, just recorded me reading the first chapter. And then like, I should show you the first that page, that printed out page, because we basically tore it apart. And just I just kept doing it over and over until it sounded like me speaking more. And then I was like, whatever. And then we just kept doing that. We did the first eight vignettes that are in that really make up the first two and a half chapters of the whole. Two and a half episodes of the whole podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I we, I mixed them all, and I added music, and I and like so like I know you I mean, made like the music too, which some is of so it, cool. Some of it, yeah. And I just felt like it was like a real full artistic expression of myself. Like what the separation and divorce and this horrible bomb of an affair, and my whole life turning upside down. But what came out of it was like a an incredible resurgence of like artistic expression, and like. And it wasn't. It wasn't like my ex husband. He did not keep that down. It no. just was like it's, life. it's not him. Yeah, it was life. We had a young baby. We had a house. We had, you know, we're working. We're tired. I don't know. Like you know what I mean? And family I obligations mean. and parents and, um, but because I had this like fifty fifty life, right? Like this totally split life where uh, that I call in season one like part time party or part time parent. Now it's not so much part-time partier. Like instead of partying, uh, because I'm not in the depths of despair anymore and in grief, instead of drinking and like wasting my time with loser guys that I don't even give two shits about, now it's like music and art and like hanging out with my girlfriends or like um, I write stories of my life or the life I see around me. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be about me, but true things that are happening around me. What gets to be written? Like... What, what is so special about the things that get to be written? Because you're obviously you're, uh, dis you're discerning, right? You don't write everything. Uh, yeah, no, that's true. I guess just whatever strikes me as cinematic or or like a short story, basically. It's those two things. Kind of my writing, I feel, is is cinematic in a way. Um, it's very like a scene, and which short stories are as opposed to a novel. Like they don't like a short story just starts in the middle and ends in the middle usually. Mm -hmm. um, and my favorite. Um, short story writers Raymond Carver and like it like they would just they just start in the middle and they end in, in the middle and you're just had a slice of these people's lives and and you want to know more about like it's gone he's on to another story about somebody else and um and sometimes life is like that right like the other day I was walking on the street and there are these three like tough big construction workers mm -hmm. having a smoke on the sidewalk and so I like steeled myself to like walk through them, you know, just in case they were going to say something or whatever. But as I was walking, <laughs> like through say something them, bad, like yeah, like cat call or like right, look right. at me or like I don't know, whatever. It was eight thirty in the morning. I wasn't having any of it. I was all like, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> do you get cat called at eight thirty in the morning all the time? <laughs> it happens. Hey, hell, even in the winter, <laughs> my big coat on. Listen. <laughs> My point is, it's that's a, just a natural reaction to have. I steeled myself a tiny bit, like I didn't put any face on or anything. I was just like, "All right, I have to walk through these construction guys." Here it comes, maybe three big construction dudes having cigarettes, and I go and I walk through them. And as I walk through them, one of them is—I'm hearing the end of his sentence, which is, um, <laughs> "Which is daycare options," and the other, <laughs> and the other guy 
oh, I wrote it down in this notebook that oh. I could have even told you. Um, and the other guy says, hey, like, but have you guys even found out if it was a girl or a boy? Oh, my God. And I just thought, I just sized up and dismissed those men in three seconds. Because you totally of did. my lived experience, though. Uh, right? Um, and that was just such a cute... Like slice of like life, and I wrote it in my book because maybe that would be a story I'll write one day, or I yeah. don't know, because uh, it was super sweet. It is sweet, and it was unexpected. I like juxtapositions also, so like that's like a unexpected thing of these three big tough guys, and then as I walk by them, <laughs> it was like daycare options. And <laughs> it was adorable. That is adorable. So though that kind of a thing mm. will strike me, and I'll write it down. Um, there's a scene that you relayed to me after it happened that we both went through and we had like, we had gone out and it was in the summer and we were biking and I remember you like being careful with me, like we were out and I had alcohol in my system. So you were like, be careful in the or something. And then later on you had relayed that whole story to me. I think we were with a friend uh-huh. and then it ended up in your podcast. Yeah. In the first season. And I was so touched that you included that moment. Yeah. Well, you're conflating two moments. Am Sorry, I? here's the memory person. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah. So the one you're talking about was a different time when I was still married. <laughs> When you were super drunk and I was like, you're not getting, you're not going there. And I put, made you go in a cab and then you yell at me <laughs> that you were a grown ass woman and I didn't need to be your mom. And I was like, okay. And I still put you in a cab anyway. <laughs> She's mixing that time up. <laughs> this time we were not so drunk. You were just, this, the one I wrote about in the, the one that is in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's in an app for people who don't know. It's in a, um, the episode that's called Super Connectors, and it's about Nanaba and another friend of ours that is a, like that are just super connectors who really helped me, I don't know, re-enter the world in a way um, after I went through a terrible uh, separation and shock of my husband having an affair. And, um, <clears throat> and then I was like back out in the world, but I, I felt like I didn't know anything. And you had this like, I don't know, this... Joie de vivre. I, don't I know, totally knew you were going to say that. That's really? Funny. It's a, like lack of better. This is why I'm better at writing. Just listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I tell the story way better than I say it. The two guys have bikes, but me and Big Laugh are on foot wearing summer dresses. Hop on the back, shouts Forever 21. So, of course, Big Laugh just bunches up her skirt in one hand and hops onto the back of the other guy's bike like that's just a normal thing to do. I stand there dumbly, worried I'm too heavy for his bike, worried about weaving through the traffic of the downtown streets, worried about the logistics since I'm wearing a dress. Like he senses it, Forever 21 shouts, I got ya, no worries, with a smile as wide as the continent. With trepidation, I sit, side saddle, on the back of his bike. I tuck the skirt of my dress up under me, put my arms around his waist, and off we go. As I say in the pockets, like I recognized an old me in that. Because at this time, I was like a shell of a person who'd mm-hmm. been like bombed out, right? And uh, being around you reminded me that like I could return to a person that I once was. You're and, a joyful person. Oh, well, yeah? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think you're a joyful person. Great. I mean, there is a, in the new season, there there is an episode that's called The Saddest Optimist, which <laughs> is something that I call myself because... 
I'm sad, right? Like I'm a pretty sad person and I've been going through all, all kinds of shit. And as you know, I cry all the time. But like I, I appreciate that you say that I'm joyful because I really I, – I think you are. Good. I'm a really sad, joyful person. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah. But I always have hope. And like that's the whole thing. Like I think nobody would listen to my stories, I don't think, if it was just despair. Like who the hell cares, A, like – all right, lady, get over it. Your husband had an affair. Or like, um, whatever. Wait, wait, wait. But what do you I, mean, get over that? Like, is that what people are saying to you? What, what do you mean? Uh, no, I mean, I'm sure there are, like, not everybody needs to publicly bellyache. You know what I mean? But okay. I really, I think it's important because it's like shared experience, basically. It's like, we all keep these things inside. Yeah. And I know it. I know it's doing what I wanted it to do because I get letters every single day from people. Oh, I was just going to say, I know for a fact that people have responded so well to the podcast and to the story. What kinds of things are they saying? Um, oh, man, it's not just people who uh, have had a spouse cheat on them. It's not just women. It, it seems like it's all kinds of people. There was a woman who wrote to me, from the hospital where she was getting chemotherapy and like going through all kinds of chemotherapy sessions, she said. And she was listening to my podcast and she just finished listening to the um, last chapter, which takes place in Italy. And it ends with me getting this tattoo, right? That says Forza e Coraggio, which is strength and courage. And she said like she just couldn't believe it because her mantra all through her chemotherapy, but in Hebrew was the same thing, strength oh, wow. and courage. Yeah. And like it had been her mantra and then she'd been listening to my podcast and then that's how I end the podcast and like it just blew her fucking oh, mind. Oh my God. Like that is amazing, right? Like, Yeah. But it's not always even that dramatic. Some people are like, my husband and I listen to the whole thing together and we're like super happy, but we loved it. Like, you know, sometimes it's just that. Well, yeah, because it's a story and it's a <laughs> yeah. well-told story. Thank you. Um, can we talk about your ex-husband's reaction? Sure. A little bit. I mean... I don't need to know everything, <laughs> obviously. But um, what happened? Um, there was a day... We don't see each other too often. I mean, we live across the street, as everybody knows from the podcast. But, uh, you know, we, we don't actually see each other that often because we, our daughter, we just do all the exchanges like through school, at school and whatever. But for some reason, he was dropping her off at my place and then... I went, oh, hey, I have to give you this form for the school. And then he just said, I listened to the podcast. <laughs> like he blurted it out? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? Oh. And it was like this like moment, right? Like, uh, you know. And I, um, so I shut the door to the apartment and we were standing in my hallway, the hallway of my apartment building. And I said, okay. And uh, I became very small. Mm. Uh, not because I'm afraid of him. Not to please. Like, we have a very, very nice, good relationship. You were just afraid because he said he listened. He didn't give you a reaction. It was more like the idea of him. I, I knew he would listen, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just became very small. And then he was very effusive and very, like, I, I didn't need this, but it was really nice to have him. He basically said that he was so proud of me and he thought it was beautiful and he listened to the whole thing and you know it made him laugh it made him this is exactly what he said it made him laugh it made him cry it made him super pissed at me mm. um but he thought it was so beautiful and he thought it was the best thing i've ever done and i've done so he said i thought it was the best thing you've ever done and you've done 
so many great things. So all of that to say, basically, and then we had a longer conversation about it. But uh, that was really great. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, while you were putting the podcast together and it was out, how often did you think, like, is he going to listen? Yeah. Did, like, what was your what were your thoughts around that? Um, well, I mean, I, I definitely thought about it a lot. Um, in no way did I ever want this to be. This was not is not a revenge tale. It's not for that. This was not my retribution. I don't know. Like, it, I wanted to tell it as honestly, and it's only my side, of course, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, of course. And my very detailed notes. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, so I was very careful about what I said about him. I was super careful. I thought about him all the time when I was making it, all the time, because I, and not about him listening, but more about I take it very seriously. I am a journalist, so even though this is a memoir and it's a podcast, I still apply to all my journalistic standards and practices to it because I really feel strongly that, like... You mean in terms of privacy for him? Yeah. Well, in terms of, like, I'm not going to tell things that are his story to tell. Right. I'm only telling my story, which he is in it, and dialogue, and yes, and it's only my side. Because it's a memoir and I'm the one telling it. Um, And I think that is a thing that everybody knows. And so I was very careful. I did not ever say and I do not ever say anything that other people don't know, for example. Like there's no secrets revealed. Right. Um, It's not about shaming. Um, I was super careful because he's my daughter's father and because I love him and I don't want to shame him and I don't want to. Uh, damage anything between us. It's not like that's not the purpose. I don't think I've heard you say that you love him in a long time. Hmm. Did you stop and then start again? No. I don't think so. I don't think. You, do you think you stop loving people? I don't know. That's deep, I can think that's of people. Deep, man. Well, I can think of a person that I like. An, I know, right? <laughs> I can think of now. an ex-boyfriend that I said that I loved. I don't love him anymore. Oh yes, that's true. Me too. That is true. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, like this is different. I mean, this yeah, is of course, like, this, this is was my husband. This was this is my daughter's father. I don't know. I don't. I. Uh, I'm not in love with him. I. You know, I've never wanted to get back together with him. That's true. I say that in the podcast and that's true. Like there never was a point um, after like in that after that first like three months of separation. Um, yeah, I, I've never wanted to get back together. And then it doesn't mean I don't love him and care for him and want the best for him, even though he was a fucking asshole. I feel so proud of you. Thanks. I really do. You don't need it from me, but I still feel yeah, proud I do. of you. Because as your friend, I know about the anguish that you were mm. going through. And I often felt like I don't know how to help you. Mm. I and and but I knew I shouldn't put my not knowing how to help you on you. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I just knew that I could be there. Yeah, you were. To what extent I could and then, you know, so I feel so happy for you that something so beautiful has come out of it. And I've always known you as someone who's creative too. So I mm-hmm. love to see that part blossom in you and to see where it could go because if there's going to be a movie, I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially if you're going to LA. All right, all right. I want to come. <laughs> no, you're right. you can't because Garvia already took she, sassy black girl uh All oh, right. You can only have one sassy yeah. black girl. She's like, if you go to LA, I want to be your sassy black girl sidekick. And uh, I was like, okay. You <laughs> can't have two. Can you just... Yeah, no, there can't be two of they you. Can't do, that's too many. <laughs> what are you talking about? Only one. <laughs> only one. Sassy black girl. <laughs> Her movie. <laughs> um, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, I hope there's season three right now. That's basically where I'm at. I would like to finish it. I feel like it's three parts. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one more season in this story. There is at least one more season. At least. Sure. Well, it's a living document. True. Also. I mean, it is your life. Yeah. And it ends in 2015, though. Because that's when I gave it to the publisher <laughs> that I was going to get it published with. And um, if people want more than, like, what happens after 2015? Well, you've been writing so many things and you've got so many notes. I, I think that you've got a podcast in you around something else or another piece of, uh, another creative something in you that doesn't necessarily have to do with yeah. your own story, right? You've been writing oh, for no, a Oh, no, yeah. Time. I, yes. Michelle? Thank you. And thank you to Veronica. Yes. She was a big part of this for you. She was huge. Veronica Simmons is like, I really honestly uh, don't know if it would have been the same without her, like, or if I could have done this with somebody else. I, I can't even tell you another time in my career that I've ever had that kind of like two people just so in sync. And then plus our crazy sticky notes and... You know, we had to storyboard the whole thing. It was very confusing because it's my life. But then also it's like hard to keep track of. And then we move stuff around. And anyway, it was like super fun and rewarding. And like every day we got to come to work and make art. Oh, oh my God. That's the dream for it's me. It's my dream. I spent 22 <laughs> years. I worked here for CBC for 22 years. And I've done so many amazing things. But like this is like... Every day I get to come to work and make beautiful, beautiful art. Like, holy shit. I'm so lucky. Joy level. High. Sadness. When I go home. (laughs) 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 Uh, Michelle Parisi, creator of the podcast Alone, A Love Story. Uh, you know, when Michelle announced that this podcast was happening, I selfishly thought now she now she'll be happy and 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 we'll get like happy Michelle back back. But, you know, I realize that that's a very naive way of thinking about it. It's not black and white like that. I've since learned that it's extremely complicated and this is not a thing that is just done. It is such a process and I think that I have really learned that from Michelle and that something so beautiful can come out of it. And the answer to the question I had at the beginning, how does a person go from super sad to making something out of the super sad, is that you're already a maker. Michelle was already making. She just now had a wealth of inspiration that was extremely personal.
I want to take a quick moment to thank the people who have commented or rated this podcast on iTunes. If you have any comments about the podcast, you can broadcast them. Please do. Here's one from iTunes um, podcast review. Nanaba is a stellar host and has created a really amazing podcast. Media Girlfriends is real talk about the workplace, careers, race, culture, the Canada we're living in, gender, and so much more. The conversations between Nanaba and her accomplished and interesting guests offer so much to young women navigating careers, life, relationships, identity, and the media. Uh, that's a really amazing. Um, it's so nice that I would suspect that it's from my mother, but I don't think that she would know the first thing about how to write an Apple podcast review. Um, no shade, mommy, if you're listening. Uh, now it's time for your what I should have said moment. This one is from Zuleika Nathu, who I interviewed in the last episode, and this comes to you via voice notes about a time that she wishes she spoke up. I had just started a new job in a new newsroom in a new city and I was the only female video journalist so I shot reported edited all my own stuff and I was one of two women on air I was the only person of color on air and I was actually if you can believe it the only minority in that newsroom at the time and of course in newsrooms they basically just put you to work the first day that you arrive so my boss said listen your equipment hasn't come in yet why don't you start going out as a reporter with a camera person, get your bearings, and then we'll set you up once your camera comes in. The camera people were pretty hostile to me when I first arrived, and I would learn later that they were like that with many of the new people that came into the newsroom, but I would also argue that it was much easier to bully a slight brown female than it was a burly white male, which is what they were used to seeing around. So I was riding in a van with one of the most hostile of the camera people, as well as a producer and a radio reporter. And we had just finished a shoot and the camera person looks into the rear view mirror. I was sitting in the back and says to me, what I want to know is when you're going to start doing what you were hired to do so I can stop doing your job for you. And it came out of nowhere. I was already basically going home crying every night because there was such animosity towards me in those first few weeks and everyone went silent in the car and I could feel myself turning red and just getting really hot and I said I'm waiting for the equipment to arrive just like you are I'm really sorry I apologized and if it happened now especially with the tone that he used I would not hesitate to say if you have a concern raise it with our boss I'm more than happy to work with someone else but I think at the time I was new I was young and maybe I should have re reported the harassment to my boss, but I think I knew even at the time that very little could have been done. It was too small of a newsroom, and eventually he would have found out that I reported him, and it would have made things much more miserable for me. So I think I was trying to protect myself. But I also feel that working in a position dominated by men, because at the time there were maybe a handful of female VJs around the country, that I could not afford to look weak in any way. And in my mind, as women, we were already trying to prove that we could do these jobs that were designed or dominated by men. And then 
I was going to give them a reason to say, oh, that's why we should have hired a guy instead of a girl, you know? And I was not going to be that woman to close the door for other women after me. And so I do, I deeply regret not standing up for myself in that moment because I feel like I'm a very different person now. But I do carry with me, and I feel like I still have this, that I cannot show weakness as a woman, as a person of color, that already is a perceived weakness in itself. And I think we've proven on and on that there are a lot of um, perceptions that come with it. And I wasn't going to allow, and I still feel like I'm not going to allow anything else, whether it's harassment or an illness I have or anything, show that I am weaker than the person next to me. And I do feel like that is an ongoing struggle. Um, and, a, and a huge weight that I have on my shoulders. What I should have said was Zuleika Mathu. Um, she had a few, actually, and I think a number of us have a few, which makes me think I want some from you. Send me your what I should have said story about a time where you feel like you should have spoken up at work and what you would say to sort of take back that moment. Um, let me know uh, through Twitter at MediaGFS. Uh, you can just DM me there. And the hashtag is MediaGirlfriends. Now, if you want to know more about Zuleika or Michelle Parisi and her podcast, Alone, A Love Story, you can just look for it in the show notes. All the information is there. Media Girlfriends is produced by me, Nanapa Duncan. Find it wherever you get your podcasts, on Twitter, at MediaGFS. And the hashtag is MediaGirlfriends. Welcome to Media Girlfriends. Yay, finally. I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Were you like every episode going, when is she coming to me? Uh, I've been in the media. <laughs> like, and come I've on. been your girlfriend <laughs> forever. So anytime. <laughs>